2: The minute after I attempted to take my life, it was like instant regret, like instant is not even a powerful enough word to describe the suddenness of the regret that I felt.
3: Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of It Ain't Weak to Speak. My name is Sam Webb, and this show is dedicated to ending the stigma around mental health through community, connection, and the hard-hitting truth. I'll be speaking with guests from all over the world about life to inspire and to educate people to speak up so that we can save more lives. Thank you for joining me on this journey. Welcome back onto the podcast, wherever you are and and whatever you have been up to over the last couple of weeks. I hope you've been looking after yourselves. I know the COVID restrictions are easing in a number of countries, so I hope you guys haven't been affected too much by what has happened in the world. That being said, on behalf of Living, we always want to say thank you to everyone who supports the cause. Whether it's you know donning the latest Living apparel, getting involved in the community, or, or getting our programs at your schools or workplaces, I mean, this is a very tough time for a lot of people, and um, we appreciate you guys going above and beyond for Living. Thank you. I do want to say a special thank you to everyone who's taken the time to download the episodes on the podcast, listening to them, wherever you are. I hope you've been learning some key takeaways to help even yourself or maybe someone in your life that you really do care for, or even if, if it's for nobody and it's just information for the brain, I hope that at some stage in your life, it serves you very, very well. I always feel very lucky to be able to connect with guests from all walks of life because I feel everyone has a story that needs to be told, and this is the podcast where we're going to share them. For those of you who got the chance to listen to our last episode with Greg DeCherry, episode nine on finding purpose through mental illness, Greg DeCherry's purpose is around filmmaking and entertainment. Long story short, one of the projects he's working on right now is called My Ascension, It's a film, a documentary film based on the life of Emma Benoit. We'll tell you right now that I've been so lucky to be able to get Emma to come onto the podcast today. I didn't think it was going to be possible, but I've been able to steal her away and get her time, and I'm going to dig very deep into her journey, and that goes through from surviving a suicide attempt the summer before her senior year, because on the outside, her life looked perfect. She described herself as a varsity cheerleader with a supportive family and a lot of friends, but on the inside, she was filled with darkness. She was broken. Depression and anxiety rattled her life, and she never actually told a soul about it. After a series of miracles which saved her life, but the self-inflicted gunshot wound which resulted in a spinal injury that left her paralyzed, and although extremely tragic, Emma has used her journey and her story to propel her on a mission so that she can help other people not go down the same road as herself. She's an absolute ball of inspiration. This is an episode you really, really don't want to miss. I was able to find out things in my own life that I had yet to be answered in my past journeys and what some people who I've lost to suicide, what may have been thinking and what what their thoughts could have been because Emma's very, very fortunate. She's very lucky to be still with us, but I can't wait to get her on. And without further ado, let's welcome... Emma Benoit on with open arms. I'm sitting here today. I'm very, very grateful uh, that I've been able to lock in some time with this great young lady, inspiring young lady. I can't wait for her to share some of her own journey and her own story with all of us and all of our listeners today. Emma, welcome to the It Ain't Week to Speak podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much for for taking the time out and uh, devoting yourself to coming on today. I, I really appreciate
2: it. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's an honor for me to come and speak on such a inspiring platform that you have created here.
3: Yeah, thank you, and I and I appreciate it. And whereabouts are you as we speak right now?
2: I am currently in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where I've resided my entire life. <laughs>
3: Okay, so you're born and bred there. Yeah,
2: pretty much. Never left.
3: Do we we classify that as the South? The
2: South. Oh, yeah, the heart of the South.
3: Yeah, you've got a a Southern accent, but I don't think it's the strongest Southern accent I've heard.
2: I appreciate that because I take pride in the fact that I don't sound like most people that are typically from here, but I do have a little bit of a twang.
3: Thank you again for coming on. I, I can't wait to speak more about your journey, what's inspired you to make differences and sort of help other people in your life make changes as well. I think it's inspiring. I was introduced to you, Emma, through a friend of mine, Greg DeCherry. Greg's also been on the podcast, a very inspiring man himself. I've got a pretty good understanding about the work that you two have done together in the upcoming film that you're about to release. Can we talk a little bit about that right now?
2: Yeah, for sure. So um, Greg and I have been working on a documentary film called My Ascension for probably coming up on two years now at this point. It started off with him just kind of getting to know me and getting to know my story, and then it kind of spiraled into much more. So we have incorporated not only my story, but then the perspectives of those in my community that were affected by my story, and then also others in my same community and other surrounding communities with similar stories and um, how others were affected by their stories and everything like that. So... Yeah, so I'm very excited for this film to be released. I have not been able to bring myself to watch it. I don't think that it's going to be too much longer that I'm going to be able to find the courage to watch it. But I am very excited for it to be released because my mom is kind of in my eyes. She's been kind of watching it for me and giving me like insights as to what has been put in the film. And uh, from what I've gathered from things that she's told me, it seems like it's going to be really, really bomb and really, really impactful so
3: i'm I'm excited for it i am also and I, I can tell you from my own experience having uh been fortunate enough to have received the trailer from greggy absolutely uh it's a life-changing film documentary i can't wait for it you know hit the eyes of the public i think it's going to make a a very very big positive impact in people's lives from all walks of life and um no doubt that you'll be very grateful and you know you've explained your story exceptionally well so much articulation to every part of your journey and I think that really helps people understand and feel like they're on the same path as you or feel like they might be a part of your own journey if that makes sense so for you to be able to do this and to be able to lock yourself in for the past 2 years you know into something like this and share openly so you know vulnerably and the rawness of your story is inspiring. And that's, you know, I'm very, very lucky that we've been able to connect. But from the story itself, just so so our listeners get a better understanding, can you take me back a few years before your life sort of changed?
2: Yeah, for sure. So just a little like backstory. As I've said, I've grown up here my entire life. I've never left and um kind of grew up in like the all American household. You know, mom and dad were still together. My brother and I were best friends and you know I had plenty of friends, plenty of popularity, and just kind of like the ideal picturesque, picture-perfect life, or at least that's what I was presenting to the outside. And to be honest with you, that's kind of what I believed to be true because um, I had never really had any reason to believe otherwise that my life was perfect. But internally, there were numerous demons that I was battling and I didn't even realize that these things were having as much of an effect on me as they were you know, like growing up in my household, I never really shared with my mom or dad or any of my friends or anyone really that, you know, I was experiencing these things, which I now know are anxiety and depression and things like that. And so I was not, it was not something that was ever spoken about around me. It was not something that was ever really conversated normally. So for me to be 10, 11, 12 years old and be just struggling with things internally and not even really fully understand the weight of what I was dealing with in my own head, that played a huge role on what what I did when I attempted to take my life. I would say that it was probably, you know, a combination of like, over the years, a steady buildup, you know what I mean? So like, being a child and like going through all these things and not really ever expressing or articulating the pains and the struggles that I was going through mentally, and just kind of sweeping it under the rug and going to the next day and moving on and, you know, kind of being tougher than my own struggles that I thought, you know, that's kind of what like propelled me into the severely depressive state that I was in when I was 16 years old and not still at that point I had no idea what anxiety and depression looked like I had never experienced it like I had never witnessed it before so for me like it was more of like a hidden issue even for my own self um, and others as well so yeah so growing up I didn't really know what I was going through. And so I didn't really ever articulate what I was going through. And then, so it just kind of kept getting worse and worse and worse and things, you know, started to add on more to my life stresses and different things, different, you know, situations and stuff that teenage girls face and things like that. And, um, to be honest with you, I don't really even know to this day why I chose that day to try to end it all. I don't know where my head was at exactly in those, those moments. But all I can say was like the minute after I attempted to take my life, it was like regret, like instant regret, like instant is not even a powerful enough word to describe the suddenness of the regret that I felt.
3: Thank you very much for just sharing that, you know, with us all. And yeah, wow. It's mm, my hairs and my arms stood up. Yeah. That's very, uh, very moving. I do want to talk around this a little bit just to get a better idea because Taking me back to, you know, you said 10, 11 years of age, you had symptoms, you had things that you were burying under the, under the rug, you weren't really dealing with them because you didn't know how to articulate them. Was there a, like a why in your mind where you were like, this is why I'm not saying anything, this is why I don't want to tell someone, this is why I don't want to share it with someone, or was it just because you didn't really understand what it is you were actually feeling, that you didn't know how to explain it, so you just shut up?
2: Yeah. um, I think it's a combination of both of of those. So the first and foremost thing in my mind was that I don't even know what I'm dealing with, much less how do I explain to someone what I'm going through and I don't even fully understand it myself. And so that was the biggest contributing factor to me not speaking up about the pains that I was going through and dealing with. But then there was a little bitty piece of me that, you know, felt like I always had to put out and portray this perfect image because that's what I thought that people knew me as and knew me by and I was not necessarily afraid of what people would think or say but more so like hesitant to just like be very like 100% my authentic self with with those around me because I felt like again I had to put on a front and I always had to be on do you know what I mean so like
3: yeah yeah totally. it was a
2: probably a combination of both you know the obviously the biggest thing was i didn't even know what i was going through myself and then on top of that i was like well you know if i share what i'm going through and what i'm the thoughts i'm having you know people are probably not going to look at me the same or they're not going to they're not going to think i'm as strong as i am
3: so what you're saying is part of it and part of the reason why you hid your pain so well and you put on this amazing front is because Emma was renowned for being the person that was always on. You were the life of the party. You were the one people wanted to gravitate around. They'd probably go to you to ask for help. Yes, exactly. And you didn't want to open up and share how you felt because you didn't want people to change their their opinions of you being this strong, loud, positive influence on their life. And that was really daunting for you. Exactly. I feel like a lot of of what we're talking about right now would have resonated with how Dwayne felt you know, before we started living and everything else and the pain kept him quiet and the stigma, you know, kept him quiet. So he didn't share with too many people how he felt because he might've been worried about being judged or being told that he wasn't as good as he used to be and things like that. And I think there's, there's a, it's, it's a very dangerous position to be in. Do you think?
2: Absolutely. You know, having all that cooped up within yourself and not feeling like you are worthy enough to share your true self and what you're truly going through with someone, it, it it's heavy. It's really heavy. And a single person cannot bear all that by themselves. And we're not meant to do life alone. And that is probably one of the biggest lessons that I've learned through all this is like that we are not meant to do life alone. And that fellowship is the biggest aspect of life and like being there for one another and being like an open ear to listen and things like that is just one of the best things that we can offer those around us.
3: So true. And at any age, it's a very large burden to carry for anybody, no matter how strong you think you are. It's too large a burden to carry on your own. And you mentioned it, you know, fellowship and being able to speak to someone who's got an open ear that's just willing to just shut up and listen. Could be the difference between maybe saving someone's life and maybe never seeing them again. Do you remember really clearly, you know, the, the, the days, the months leading up to it where, like, when was your first suicidal thought as a, as a, young, as a young girl?
2: For me to pinpoint that, it's very difficult because I never like truly like had deep thoughts about suicide. My thoughts kind of gravitated towards more, I'm exhausted with life and it's just exhausting to always be somebody that I'm just not in a way that is a suicidal thought. But yeah, for me, I never like sat back and think, thought like contemplated suicide. I just like would have these reoccurring thoughts. Whenever I was in the heat of a situation or in the heat of, you know, something bad going on in my life, I would just sit back and think this would be so much easier if I just wasn't even here. Like, this would be so much better. Like, this is so hard. Like, I don't even want to do this anymore. Like, it's just overwhelming. And for me, life was just extremely unbearably and over like too overwhelming for me. Or so I thought.
3: On that, so when you say it was so overwhelming, and it wasn't sitting there, you weren't sitting there day in and day out, going, "I don't want to be around. I'm going to, This is how I'm gonna take my life. This is the means of which I'm gonna to, gonna to do it. I have a planned date and everything in mind." It wasn't even that. It was just that you were so overwhelmed, and things just became too much. And you know, this would probably be a lot easier if I wasn't around. Did it ever cross your mind throughout these these episodes, so to speak, where your brother came into it, or your mum and dad came into it, and what they would have thought, and because i often speak to people who have struggled with severe suicidal thoughts and that have tried to take their life before who have struggled with mental health issues that are unbearable and they often say things like i was just trying to do them a favor and i thought that they didn't want me around anymore so this is this is why i ended up in this situation that i was in did that ever cross your mind
2: to be honest with you no i never really even thought about you know if i were to take this action how it would affect those who loved me i never once thought You know, like, oh, well, if I'm not here, how will my mom and dad and brother feel? You know, that never crossed my mind. I think personally, I think the reason that that is, is because I was just so deep in my pain and so deep in the shit that I was going through that I couldn't see that clearly enough.
3: Absolutely. You were so consumed in so much dread and, you know, anxiety and sadness and everything else that comes with those feelings that none of that really crept into your mind because what you were trying to do is just end that pain more or less rather than trying to justify it as to what it would and wouldn't do for for other people and yourself, you know what I mean? You know, there's certain situations and everyone's very different as you and I can, we, we, we can both agree on. Was there any sort of major turning points or warning signs or trigger moments for you leading up to, it was in June in 2017, Was there an occurrence or was there a breakup? Was there something that someone said or was there anything that sort of set its foot in your mind and said, you know what, this is the day, this is what I'm going to do. I've made my decision. I'm going to go home and this is how I'm going to do it.
2: There were honestly several different things that led up to me doing it that day. A little backtrack, very close to my attempt. So like, what was it? Five days prior, I was in New York City on a a trip with a local photographer shooting photos for her catalog or whatever you want to call it for promotional purposes we were in New York City with a photographer and like had a blast I was on such a high and I think for me like before I even left for that trip I was already like punished and grounded indefinitely by my parents and like had been acting out and misbehaving and like just was going on a path that was just not a good path and my parents saw that and so their way to try to combat that was to try to lock me down and ground me and not let me see my friends and take my phone and do all these things and so for me like having this trip already planned and you know me being grounded and everything back at home you know that trip kind of was like an escape for me and I was like you know I'm on this trip I get to do whatever I want I'm not grounded here like I can be with my friends I can just be genuinely happy and so that trip was three days it was a week like an extended weekend trip. I was truly on a high. Like I hadn't been that happy, like genuinely that happy in a very long time. And then, so I can remember the day that we were leaving, my mom and I got into a big fight. I don't even remember what the fight was over. It was probably over something silly, but then that just kind of reminded me of the pain and all of the things that were going on back at home. And it reminded me, okay, well, I can't live here. I can't live in this fantasy. I have to go back home and I have to face my problems and I have to face my parents and I have to face all the things that I've done and all the lies that I've told and I have to face it I can't run away from it anymore and then so yeah that that fight before I even got on the airplane to head home that kind of was very triggering and I vividly remember being on the plane thinking it wouldn't be so bad if this plane crashed that was the first time I'd ever like thought about doing something um, about you know taking my life but even then it still wasn't like I wasn't like sitting there making a plan. It was just a thought that had passed my mind. And, you know, after the thought occurred, I was like, you know, well, you don't want that to happen. That would be sad. That'd be terrible, whatever. And then so I went home and, you know, obviously right back into reality, right back in trouble with my parents, you know. So then it was two days later after I got back from New York, my mom and I had gotten to another fight. There was a boy involved and, you know, there was something going on at my house at that day. And, Major, major events that occurred that day that triggered my actions. And I would say like just a combination of like being on that high and then being reminded of the stuff that I was going through at home, not even before I left that trip, and then having to come back home to the stuff that I was going through and everything. It just was a combination of all that. So going from like a very severe high to a very severe low in a matter of five days
3: it is a lot, isn't it? Especially as a young person to to have to have all that as a burden on your mind. It's a lot to take on, and you know, human beings we naturally already act on our impulses, and for the most part, we often regret the things that we do after it. You know, I've had plenty of moments in my life where I've I've regretted doing things after the fact, but not to a point where you ended up finding yourself. You know, back in June of two thousand and seventeen. Were you scared to a certain degree leading up to it? Like, you know, when you said you're on the plane, you're coming home, it was the first real thing you said, if the plane goes down, I probably wouldn't be too upset. Did that scare you think, like knowing that you had that thought? Were you actually scared? Holy, like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm actually okay with that thought. You know, was that was that something that you, you sort of dwelled on or was it just a passing thought?
2: It was just a passing thought. And, you know, after it passed, I was like, why did I just think of that? You know, to be honest with you, I thought I'm not the only one that feels this way on this airplane.
3: Yeah, I feel like I'm I'm speaking to a an alive version of of the you know some of the people I've I've spoke to their brothers and their sisters of, who've lost you know someone in their life, and I feel very honoured to be able to speak here and ask you these questions, and, and for you to speak you speak so clearly, and obviously this is a podcast that people not everyone will be able to tune into the YouTube, and, and they might not have the means, but so that everyone knows. Emma, you, you are an amazing human. You're a beautiful human too. And you obviously achieved so much great things in your, in your young life already. You're only 19, turning 20 in a, in a few months' time. I think so many people be able to resonate with how you felt, what you experienced, what you went through, especially from you know, being the life of the party and always trying to put a mask on and act as if you've got your shit together. But deep down behind closed doors, you, know, you had your moments that were breaking apart.
2: Yeah you say the life of the party. That's exactly what I was. You know, I was always the one to start the fun and like, you know, get things going. And, and I can vividly remember being at a party. Sometimes and being like, I'm not like, this isn't me. Like, I'm not really, I'm not really happy. Like, this is not like, you know, and it's just so crazy because I've spoken to so many people and they've said the same thing while they seem to be the most energetic, uplifting, happy people. They're not.
3: It's very common. Although no one knows exactly how you feel there are certain traits and characteristics which people can understand and they can resonate with and they can feel to a certain degree, if, you, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I applaud you on being so open and honest with all that. So, so it comes around to the time after a series of events, June 7, that was your day that you, you attempted to take your own life at your family home. Yes. The events after that you mentioned earlier you know from that moment onwards it was like an instant regret it was more than regret it was a word that you probably couldn't quite comprehend yeah what was that moment and let's talk about the acceptance and the road to recovery and and those days after that that turning point and that change moment in your life that's got you to this stage right now where you're at what was that like yeah
2: so for me personally i was very coherent in the like the very moments after it happened um, so I attempted suicide by gunshot and, you know, that should have like instantly, you know, knocked me unconscious, but it didn't, I can vividly remember having very clear thoughts lying there. And majority of the thoughts that I were having was I need to fight like hell. Cause I don't want to die. Like, I just don't want to go. Like I did not mean to do that. I didn't mean to, do, I didn't want to do that. I didn't mean to do that. And that was kind of like, was on replay in my head was, you didn't mean to do this, you didn't mean to do you didn't mean to do this. This was an accident. You didn't mean to do this. And then so waking up in the hospital a couple of days later, obviously something as traumatic as that, you know, the body and the brain kind of block out that trauma to protect itself. And so I had no recollection of what had happened. I truly didn't have a clue as to what happened or why I was in the hospital or why all these people are around me or why I was on a ventilator or why I was in immense amounts of physical pain. And I had no idea. Um, And to be honest with you, my first thought was that I had been attacked, like beaten to death, like beat up by someone. And um, I had thought that for probably the first, first day or so that that was why I was in the hospital. And then as I started to come to and less and less sedation was being implemented onto me, I started to remember the events and I started to remember, oh, this is what actually happened. For me to just kind of realize what I had done, that was just a whole nother level of heaviness in itself. I had to sit back and really just think about how was I capable of doing something like that? You know, and it was so mind boggling to me how easily I did it and how like it didn't even cross my mind when I was leading up to it. But then like after it happened and I was just sitting back trying to process it all, I just couldn't, I couldn't understand why I would do something like that. Why? Like I just could not make sense of it. It's been quite the journey for me to come to this realization and this understanding of my story, myself, much less sharing it with others. So,
3: From what I'm hearing, it's almost like you you had no recollection of how it got to that stage that you actually... Got the gun or whatever it was, and however it played out, that you did it. It was almost like something took over, and it sort of like just went and did it on your behalf. That you had no control. Is that is that what you're saying?
2: Exactly what I'm saying. Like truly, like when I look back, I don't even identify myself with that same person. It just is insane to me. Call it what you want. My family is very faithful people, and they seem to think that you know that that was the, nothing but the devil, you know, doing this work within me. And um, but I still to this day don't even know how I could be capable of something like that
3: wow that's so powerful in the the months years you know past the turning point in your life obviously faith is a very big part of your life till this day
2: my faith was born that day and that's kind of the day that you know i consider myself to have two birthdays you know my my given birthday that i was you know given life um and then my my reborn birthday while i was redeemed and renewed and um instantly i was saved not only physically but spiritually.
3: It's absolutely amazing to hear and to actually speak to you in in living form. You know you're very lucky to be alive. And unfortunately for a lot of people, Emma, as you as you definitely understand, with all the work that you've done up until today and the work you've done in the film, a lot of people don't get that second chance after a suicide attempt, and the impact that it has on an unquantifiable amount of people is life changing for so many people. Uh, And I I can talk obviously from just my own lived experience with it, with losing Dwayne and the impact that that had on so many people from so many different walks of life. Your life never really is the same again, you know, and you look at things differently and, and it affects people in a different way. It's amazing to be able to sit here and have these conversations with you, because unfortunately we can't have these conversations with other people that in your exact situation you know a gunshot wound and might have hit a spot which they wouldn't have been able to wake up you know and they wouldn't have been able to tell this story if you're looking as of today 19 year old emma today looking back at 14 15 16 year old emma what would you have told your younger self that you know right now oh so
2: many things i think the number one thing i would tell myself would probably be to just stay true to myself and always remain true to myself and like the good, bad, and the ugly. Like I only presented the good to everyone around me. And I only, I only really embraced the good that I had in my life. I never really embraced the bad things that I had going on in my life. I never really embraced the ugliness in my life and the pain in my life. You know, so I think that that would be the biggest thing that I would give to myself is just stay true to yourself and stay true to yourself enough to know that you're worthy of sharing your truth and living your truth as well. So
3: you know, give yourself more love, nurture yourself more, be more open with vulnerability, accept your weaknesses and accept your strengths and, and respect those and, and work with them rather than work against them or shutting them out of your life completely as if they're an enemy.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I think another thing is like my silence didn't protect me. And like that's something else I would have liked to tell myself is that like this silence is not going to protect you. It's actually just going to cause you more harm. Be more merciful to myself because I was – I still am very hard on myself, but nowhere near like I was, but I was just such a perfectionist and like no reason to be that much of a perfectionist. And like, I was so belittling and degrading towards myself because I was like that to myself, that made other people think that they could be like that to me as well. And so, yeah, definitely to just be kinder to myself and just like have more mercy on myself and just kind of let myself know that like, it's okay to not have your life figured out. Like you were only 16 years old. Like you don't have to know where you're going to go to school where you're going to live what you're going to do like who you're going to be with like you don't need to know all that that was something that i really like harped on within myself amidst of all the things surrounding me and all the pains and struggles that i was dealing with around me like that was the biggest internal struggle with me was like feeling like i had to have it all figured out and feeling like i had to put it all together at such a young age
3: that message there in itself is you can't even put a value on it. I mean, the amount of people that will be listening to this episode right now, that that is almost like music to their ears in a way that, because perfectionism doesn't exist. And it's about being, you know, at full peace with knowing that, you know, it's wherever you are in your journey that you must accept. And you can't compare that to someone else's journey because they're on a completely different path to you and that you can't compare. And I think everyone should give themselves more love, value themselves more, you know, be grateful for the good that they do for the people and the families and the and the communities around them and not always tie, you know, their gratefuls to extrinsic materialistic things, you know, like homes, cars, things like that, rather than we should be directing and, and deflecting them to things like our own inner, you know, beauty and what we do for other people and our kindness and our vulnerability and all that sort of good stuff too.
2: Yeah. And um, something that I've kind of come to realize within like my, my work with Greg and things like that is that like- I get so much more fulfillment whenever I embrace my servant heart and I get so much more joy and peace within myself whenever I simply just am there for people and just like give people the unconditional and unwavering love that they all deserve. Because, um, it's really such a simple concept. Like we all just need to be better symbols of love. We need to do everything in love. There's so much hate in the world, so much negativity, so much nastiness. It's just such a simple fix too.
3: And that's the thing. It's a very simple fix. It sounds a lot easier said than done though. And most people and, and myself included, we often overlook the very simple things in life. And then it takes you know, a traumatic experience or a life-changing moment to sort of get that wake up moment. It's like, get up, get out. This is why you're alive and this is what you need to do. And this is, I'm sure, opened up your eyes to new ventures and new ways of looking at things, new perspectives and, and stuff in your own life. And talking about post-suicidal you know, attempt back in June, I'm sure you've had your moments of frustration and, and downfalls and feeling like you've hit rock bottom and how are you going to get back from this? And like, Can you share a little bit about your recovery and your rehabilitation journey with us?
2: So the effects that I, that the gunshot wound had on me was like I had a lot of internal bleeding and a clot was formed pressing down on my spinal cord, causing me to have a spinal cord injury, which if you don't know is the number one thing that causes paralysis in people with spinal cord injuries. And um, so being in the hospital, I was kind of humbled down back to an infant stage and having to rely on every person to do every little thing for me again at 16 years old and being fully aware of the fact that they are having to do all this for me and I physically cannot do it myself, that's humbling. And it really, truly births a new perspective. I didn't regain movement in my body until I would say like two months after my attempt. I had already left the hospital and I was in patient rehab hospital and was um, working in physical therapy numerous hours a week tirelessly working in physical therapy. And that to this day is probably the hardest, most challenging thing that I've ever had to go through is the physical recovery and like getting myself back to where I am right now. So very tedious stuff, just little drills, little exercises to try to retrain the brain and stimulate the body again to get it moving. Yeah, there was obviously definitely breaking points in that, in that time in my journey, being in the rehab hospital and, you know, having my friends come in and out and walk in and out and, you know, bring me things and, you know, bring me things from my senior year of high school. Cause I didn't even get to experience my senior year of high school because I was in the rehab hospital. So like having them come in and bring me things from the senior breakfast that I get didn't get to attend and things from senior skip day that I missed out on and things like that, that was, that was hard. It was very hard for me. That is whenever I kind of really leaned on my faith. And that is where my faith was truly established, I would say, because, you know, I didn't have any answers. I didn't know why this was my reality. I didn't know. I didn't understand why, like why I was put through this, like why things were taken from me that I should have never had taken from me. And then on top of all that, to sit back and try to, to feel like a victim at some points, and then to sit back and then have the same mentality of like, Oh wait, but you did this to yourself. You don't, you don't have the right to feel like a victim. So that, that inner battle was also a big big struggle for me as well when I was in the rehab hospital too. I mean, I saw a therapist and a counselor and stuff weekly, but I never really expressed to her the, those types of significant battles that I was dealing with of feeling the guilt of what I had done, but then also at the same time feeling like a victim.
3: How did you come to terms with that? How did you accept that? And what did the impact of leaning on faith have on that recovery?
2: Yeah, so there's actually a story that I have to share with you, and this is kind of, hopefully will answer your question as to how I kind of processed all of that. One day I was sitting in rehab hospital and still didn't have any movement. I was paralyzed from the neck down and all I can move from the left shoulder. And so I was in the rehab hospital sitting in my electric power chair at the time, and I was being fed lunch. And I was just so frustrated and so bitter that I told the nurse to leave my room. I said, I'm not, I'm done eating. I'm, I'm not hungry anymore. You can go shut the door. want to be myself and so she did that and um I just remember like breaking down and just like in anger and very much angry tears and just screaming to God and just saying why would you put me through this like I didn't even mean to do this yet this is what I'm left with like why would you leave me like this like I have so much potential I'm so beautiful like why would you leave me like this and um I'm clear as day clear as day heard him say I'm not punishing you. I'm rewarding you because up until that moment, I had been viewing everything as a punishment. I had viewed, you know, my abilities taken away from me as a punishment from God. I had viewed the way that people saw me now as a punishment from God. And then until he spoke to me and told me, no, I'm not punishing you. I'm rewarding you. It'll all pay off and it'll all be worth it. That was the turning point for me was hearing the literal voice of God. Clear as day in my room
3: that's like shifting every bit of negative perspective on its absolute head and looking at the exact same problems that you faced but in a completely different and a new fresh lens is that right
2: absolutely and like to be honest with you there were were so many colors in my room from gifts and flowers and cards and after i heard that voice those colors became brighter they did I, i swear to you like i see colors brighter now and i will go to my grave saying that like life for me is so precious and it's so beautiful in my eyes, like there's just so many beautiful things about life and so many things that should be valued and treasured and appreciated much more by, by, by people. And I guess like for me having to sit there and hear those words spoken to me by, by God, it was like, that was another wake up call. That day was a wake up call, but that was my wake up call was hearing that validation and that confirmation from God that, you know, I got you. Like, I got you. You're going to be good.
3: And it's all going to work out. It'll all end up making sense. And I guess that's all been part of your recovery. And where where are you at in that recovery as of today? Like, where where is, are you you fully walking again? Like, where are you?
2: I would like to say that I'm fully recovered to a certain extent. (laughs) I obviously can't do all the things that I used to be able to do the same way I used to do them, but I can still do them. So for me, that's a full recovery. I can walk. I just have to have assistance. I use a wheelchair for like, you know, whenever I go out just cause the, it's just too tiring my body and my body just is not, the endurance is just probably something that will never return to me. And I've accepted that and I'm totally okay with a life in a wheelchair. I don't mind it, especially because I've gotten so much back and the fact that I am able to be independent again. And that was the biggest thing for me. At To be honest with you, in the rehab hospital, everyone else around me was like, Oh, she's going to walk in. We got to get her walking. I'm got to get her walk in. And that was never really like my thing. My thing was like, shit, I just want to be able to do things for myself again. Like I just want to be able to brush my own teeth again. I just want to be able to brush my own hair again. I just want to be able to take a shower by myself without someone else in the room again. Like, you know what I mean? Like I want to be able to do all these things for myself again. And the fact that I fully can do everything myself again, and there's not one thing that I can't do by myself, that to me is a full recovery.
3: Congratulations on the on the recovery. And as you said, I mean, there would have been ebbs and flows. There would have been mountaintops and, and you know, tranches so to speak, where you have been up, you've been down and everything else in between. But to get out and get to the stage where you are right now is, is bloody inspiring, I tell you. Every
2: day is still a journey. I'm not done yet. I'm not finished being molded yet. But what I will say is that every part of my journey I'm appreciative of. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Like, that's just what I always say. Like, the good and the bad and the ugly, like, I'm thankful for and I'm fortunate for. So I still fall sometimes, but, like, I just get back up. I don't know. And I guess, like, for me, like, you would think that because of the struggles that I have, like, if you were to see me, like, you would think, oh, God, I feel so bad. But I don't feel bad for myself at all. And I don't take pity from anyone at all. Because I am, like, so, like, happy with my life. And I'm so happy with the way that I am. Like I love my life and I love myself and I love everything about my life.
3: And that's the most important thing to to be, right? I mean, at the end of the day, none of that other stuff matters anyway. I think uh, being at peace, loving yourself, being kind to yourself and everything that you mentioned earlier that you learned throughout this journey is really all that matters, isn't it? Absolutely. And you've obviously got your family there still with you. You've got great friends around you and I mean yeah with everything that's going on in the world right now I think that's that's more than enough anyway for all of us yeah so I, I absolutely commend you on everything that you've achieved what's it been like and you know I do want to talk around the film before we wrap and before we close up this this episode because you've given some serious value I'm very grateful for your time thank you so much for everything that you've been able to share you've been so open about it and I'm so grateful for that Emma so thank you in regards to, you know, the, the work that you're doing with Greggy on the film, what has been the, the most rewarding thing for you throughout this journey?
2: The responses of others, seeing the impact that it's had on people. That's the most rewarding thing. And to be honest with you, I was I was a little bit apprehensive with agreeing to do this film and a little bit apprehensive to agreeing to putting my story out there for the world to see. You know, rightfully so. But the first time I ever shared my story at the Suicide the Rebel Effect premiere in Baton Rouge, after I spoke and leaving, just the amount of people that came up to me and just in tears were just so impacted and inspired and moved by what I had to say, that was the biggest reward. And that is that continues to be my reward. And that is why I do what I do, because I fully feel and I fully know the effect that it has on those that hear my story and hear what I have to say.
3: So the power of sharing your story and seeing and hearing you know the real impact that it's having on human life is something that is driving you and motivating you every single day and that's been the most rewarding part of your journey so far with the with the film
2: yes sir because i mean like my whole life i've always said and i never really knew how i was going to do this but like i've always said i just want to help people i just want to help people i just want to help people and like it's crazy cuz god has placed me in a position to do just that
3: you're doing exactly that and you're doing a great job at doing that and you you're only so young still you've got so much more time left to achieve so many great things you know and that's the beauty of it this is all part of the journey this is just one part of your journey and it's no doubt going to be a a very impactful inspiring and and a journey that many many people will come through your life you'll meet great people you'll connect with great people but you mentioned it earlier the power of sharing your story you can't really explain it by words can you the impact that it has on yourself and other people
2: you can't it's, it's indescribable
3: and there's so many people that would be listening right now to this episode and to the podcast and that will follow your journey as well and who follow livin who who struggle with their own you know with their own journey and that they're worried about speaking up and seeking help and and what i always like to say to them is Take the time, but definitely invest time in yourself to be able to get to a stage where you, you can open up and you can ask for help and you can share your story because not only will it help yourself, but it generally helps the people around you and no doubt that it unlocks passions in your life and you know, you're know you out of your comfort zone and it unlocks certain areas of your life that you probably would never have experienced had you have not spoken up and shared. To close up the podcast, how can they find you? How can people track you down if they want to follow your journey? And I'll I'll share this all in the Facebook community group, which is attached to the living.org Facebook page. It's It Ain't Week to Speak podcast community group with myself. So I'll share some insights and anything else that you want to share off air, Emma, on that. But where can they find you if they want to follow you?
2: So definitely follow the My Ascension uh, Instagram account. It's at My Ascension Movie. Um, and then my personal accounts are just my name. So um, Emma Benoit on Instagram, Emma Benoit on Twitter, Facebook, Emma Benoit. You can find me on all those socials. And then all obviously follow the My Ascension socials as well to stay updated on things that we got going on with this film and you know release dates and things such as that.
3: I'll share all of them as well in the show notes, guys, so everyone's got the correct links and everything else that comes with that. Uh, I can't wait actually for you to be able to have a look at the film once you're at a stage of, you know, fully embracing that part and, and no doubt that takes time too. But I can tell you right now from my own experiences looking at it, yeah, I, I can't even describe it in words, the impact that that's going to have on the world and no doubt yourself. So definitely take a lot of time to, to look after yourself, Emma, a lot of self-care, especially in this time. Thank you very much from the bottom of my heart but everyone involved in the living family for taking the time out in louisiana to chat with us all
2: thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it and it is actually my honor to be on your podcast so and go tigers
3: go tigers who's the tigers what no i don't know who's the tigers
2: the national champion ah, yeah, yeah.
3: well well let's say let's go lsu but nah keep, keep living guys Remember, at the end of the day, it ain't weak to speak and much love, Emma. Thanks so much. Uh, Take care. And thanks for everything that you're doing for the uh, mental health and suicide awareness space. Thank you so much. Thank you again for listening in to another episode of It Ain't Weak to Speak. Please like, share and spread the love to as many people as you can. Let people know that you subscribe to the show. Don't forget to leave a review or a comment so that we can grow this community together because a conversation could save a life if you want to continue this chat please join me on the podcast facebook group at living.org i can't wait to share the next episode with you but in the meantime stay well keep living and remember it ain't weak to speak thank you and have a top day